At Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, we believe theological education should be confessional. Because of our desire to identify with what Christ has done in His Church throughout the centuries, we fully adhere to the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. This standard keeps us accountable and preserves us from novelty. For more information on how you can receive informed scholarship with Pastoral Heart, check out our website, cbtseminary.org. You are listening to Particular Pilgrims, stories from Reformed Baptist history with commentary. I'm your host, Ron Miller, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church of Clarksville, Tennessee, and a longtime student and collector of Particular Baptist history. We're on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Robert Hall Sr.'s most important writing was Help to Zion's Travelers. Having recently finished rereading it, I want to give you an overview of this valuable book and make some observations. My copy of Help to Zion's Travelers is an 1814 printing that claims to be the first American edition. It was published by John Paradise of Alexandria, Virginia, and printed by J. Rakestraw of Philadelphia. John Paradise was the second pastor of the Baptist Church in Alexandria from 1811 to 1816 when he resigned due to ill health. There is a record that shows him to be a witness in the manumission of several black slaves. Since there are known to have been black members of his church, it seems likely that this Virginia Baptist pastor was against slavery. Joseph Rakestraw was a long time prominent Quaker printer in Philadelphia who bought some of his equipment from Benjamin Franklin. This Philadelphia printing was obviously done far away from central England and over 30 years after the first edition appeared. This demonstrates that Baptists thought this work had a continuing usefulness. Since the battle over the free offer of the gospel and related subjects was to rage on in the United States into the first half of the 19th century and was known to be a specific debate in the Baptist Church in Alexandria, it may have been reprinted to help American travelers make their journey safely to Zion as well. Hall defines and answers several dozen specific stumbling blocks in the book. While a few are peculiar to his day, most are common to this or any age, and so I recommend you get a copy of it and profit from its clear pastoral message. Nathan Finn produced a new edition in 2011 through Borderstone Press. This is a fine paperback if you can find it. Help to Zion's Travelers is usually thought of as only an attack on certain aspects of hyper-Calvinism but it is so much more. Let me list and quickly comment on some of the many areas that Hall addresses. And remember, this began as a sermon with the strongest of pastoral concerns that believers would reach glory. That orientation is one of its great strengths. Hall divided the stumbling blocks into three categories, doctrinal, experimental, and practical. 
The first doctrinal error, and a major one of his day, was the question of the full divinity of Jesus Christ. Joseph Priestley, famous scientist and Unitarian minister, had produced a three-volume Institutes of Natural and Revealed Religion in 1772 to 1774. As you might guess from its title, it was Socinian in content, and it promoted Unitarianism in England. This is who Hall was writing against, answering such claims as, But Jesus was subject to his Father, and therefore he couldn't have been fully divine. Or, Christ's soul was eternally preexistent. Or, And his body wasn't an essential part of his humanity. Hall was insistent for the historical orthodox understanding of the full deity and humanity of Jesus, and he strenuously objected to what he called the perversion of terms. Now, this is widespread today, the redefining of words from their historic usage. It is clear that Hall is well-read. He notes that he used such authors as Christmas Evans, John Gill, and Abraham Booth, all Baptists, by the way. But his arguments are his own. They strike home, and along with their pastoral orientation, were obviously a help to those with doubts on the deity of Christ. Hall then spends time on other doctrinal problems, such as the love of God and how it relates to sinners and saints. He discusses election, giving a masterful explanation from Ephesians 1, all in the form of a catechism. He deals with reprobation, showing that it is not the opposite, precisely, of election, but that it is rooted in demerit. Another debate of the day was about union with Christ. When did it begin and how did it proceed? His sermonic talents come out as he distinguishes three types of union, what he calls visible, vital, and virtual, and he explains them well. Next, he addresses the Christian's relations to God as a child. He addresses both adoption, which he rather oddly claims comes before regeneration or faith, and regeneration, which results in the relation of likeness to the divine nature. His explanations are solid, but his order is confused. The final doctrinal subject is the atonement, where he rightly argues for the necessity of Christ's death and answers how it is that a divine person could die for men. As an aside, his definition of death as separation is strongly biblical. The second part is devoted to stumbling blocks of Christian experience. The first one, I explained in the last episode, is this, the warrant for sinners to come to Christ. Notice that important word, warrant. Hall claimed that there was a justification, an authorization, a warrant to come to Christ just as a sinner. A man didn't have to have some kind of internal evidence of being elect or even saved before applying to Jesus for salvation. He shows the absurdity of that contrary position and its unscriptural nature. A related question he takes up is whether it is the duty of the unconverted to pray. He answers with vigor that it is indeed their duty. Next, he discusses the relationship of repentance to faith. 
The order and dependence of the two have been debated in reform circles, but Hall takes the view that repentance precedes faith. While I don't share his understanding, his distinguishing between true and temporary repentance is brilliant, and one I will return to for sermons. His third experimental discussion returns to a core issue related to the warrant to come to Christ. It is this, does a person have to have some knowledge of interest in Christ in order to approach him? He shows that this is the wrong order. One can't have the effects of faith before you exercise faith. He also teaches that the only authority we need for faith is the word and faithfulness of God. This entire section would be a good one for pastors to carefully study to be better counselors of souls. Other problems of spiritual experience are addressed, such as what if a professing believer doesn't know the time of their new birth? He answers from scripture, but also from deep wisdom. He rightly states that not every person knows the date or in his day, even the year of their physical birth. He asks, does that mean they aren't alive? Finally, he examines what we call the five points of Calvinism and shows how they are the foundation for true Christian experience and in no way contribute to sloth. The final section deals with what he calls practical religion. Here he mentions the problems that come to true believers from sinful or loose conduct of other professing Christians or the troubles that come with persecution. Then he demolishes antinomianism, the belief that he describes as one that teaches, quote, believers are not under the law in any sense. His approach is excellent and worthy of study. He teaches that God's commands are greater than our present ability to keep, but that should drive us to Christ, not to despair. He finishes with a description of the differences between natural and moral ability. His dependence on Jonathan Edwards is clear, but again, it is all explained in his own manner. Undoubtedly, some of these questions have plagued you or your congregations, just as they did Robert Hall in his circle of believers. I think you will find help in his answers as you travel to Zion. Thank you for listening today. This is Ron the Baptist wishing you grace and peace. Thank you.